Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. I was youth pastor, took that role here in 2003. And somewhere in that kind of first year of my ministry, there was like a sixth grade kid that showed up that was the mouthiest punk you can imagine. He's still mouthy, but uh, I have I do not have permission to do this, but I'm doing it anyway just for paybacks. You know what I'm saying? Because like I was his youth pastor, but I want to congratulate Neil and Emily. Neil proposed on Friday night, and Emily said yes. We didn't know if she would or not. No, I'm just kidding. It is. We love together as a family. We celebrate together as a family. Moments like this, Pete and Terry, but we also hurt together as a family too, what we've been through over the last season. So just congratulations to you guys. Church is with you. So we are, we just kicked off 21 days of prayer. And in January, we always start our year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And kind of to wrap up the summer as we move into the harvest season, and we typically do see a lot of people come to know Christ in the fall of the year in the harvest season. We do a 21 days of prayer and feasting. You don't have to give up meats and sweets unless you want to, but we started. Matter of fact, yesterday we had 12 hours of prayer uh, where just a, you know several folks came in and spent some time in this room just praying over that chair, praying for you, praying for some of the ministries and things that we had up on the screen. And I appreciate so much Kelly and April. This is their passion and uh, just keeping us as a church that this be a house of prayer. So over the next 21 days, set some time aside out of your life to make prayer a priority in your calendar, in your schedule. So many times we'll say, hey, if it doesn't make my calendar, it won't happen. We'll get it on your calendar. And uh, one of the things I do just to make sure it's a priority, I get 10 minutes on my knees and just spend that time with you. And this is how that 10 minutes on your knees will go. About after minute five, you've prayed for everybody and everything and every animal that you know, you know? And then, so it's just some time to really go into a deeper spot of prayer. So Jerry and I spent, you know, we spent a pretty good time, amount of time in here yesterday. It was just so refreshing to just let my mind stop and pray. And so join us next 21 days with our 21 days of prayer. We're going to 1 Kings 19. We've been camping out there the last few weeks. And we're looking at the low point of a life of one of the Old Testament great prophets, a guy by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, if you, you can read, and I don't want to go into all the context. I've done that for the last few weeks. You can get that on all our uh, social media, the YouTube, our podcasts, and so on and so forth. But he'd, he'd been through some stuff. And, and some of that was great celebration. Some of that was great victories. But 1 Kings 19 kind of finds him in a low point. And here's culturally kind of what's going on. Israel has a wicked king, a guy by the name of Ahab. And he had married a woman who was not a Jew. She wasn't of Israel descendant. He was actually a Phoenician from Lebanon, and her name was Jezebel. Maybe you've heard that context, but didn't know where it came from. Oh, that woman's a Jezebel. It means she's naughty, right? And so Jezebel was the queen, and when she came to Israel, she brought just a lot of negative influence with her. She brought the worship of the gods of the Phoenicians and Baal and Asherah. And matter of fact, under Ahab, they made it the national religion. And, and so here's the reality of that. There were masses of people who were willing to walk away from worshiping Jehovah God, the, the moral climate of the culture was just ripe for a false god to rise up on the scene. 
and the people went for it. And even yesterday when I'm in here praying, and I, I want to set some time aside to go study this out, but when you think about the revivals of the Bible, it always took people who were willing to stand firm when the culture around them was quickly going the other direction, that there would be people willing to stand firm in their faith. And I believe that's what God is calling the church to in the hour that we live in. I mean, I, I think that, that we can relate a lot to Elijah's story because he starts to feel alone and he's saying, God, all your people have turned away. Everybody is worshiping Baal. Everybody's worshiping Asherah. Lord, I'm the only one that's left. And, and sometimes in our society, it feels like, I mean, with church attendance, it's significantly declined over the last 20 years. And God is calling you and I, and he's calling his people to be people of faith and stand firm on his word, amen? So Queen Jezebel puts a bounty on Elijah's head because of what happens in 1 Kings 18. I won't go into that story. You can go read it for yourself or catch a couple of weeks ago on our podcast. And he does what I would have done. He does probably what a lot of us in the room would have done. He just runs. He just runs, and he finds himself alone in a wilderness, actually in a cave. He's depressed. He's having even thoughts of suicide. He's like, God, just take my life. Just take my life. I can't say we've all been there, because I don't necessarily know your story. But I'll say this. If you have never been to that place, if you've never been to a hopeless place of grief and, and just desperation and depression or a place of isolation and hopelessness, if you've never been in that cave, can you just stop for a moment in your life and give God thanks? Because of what his hand upon you or that he had, had to walk you through any of that, man, like, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I would assume a lot of us in this room, whether you're in that season now or you're coming out of that season, we can relate to Elijah's story of being alone and isolated and depressed in a cave. And so we're at the place in the story where God speaks to Elijah and, and there's a windstorm and there's an earthquake and there's a fire, but it says God was not in the big incredible things. We're always looking for God in the big incredible things, but instead God was seeking Elijah with the intimacy of a still small voice. And so today God's gonna speak to Elijah and we're gonna kind of talk around the issues that Elijah brings to the table. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. That's where I'm gonna start. Verse 12, and I'm gonna start with the earthquake and with the fire, but it says the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Some of the older translations say a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood in the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, which means this is the second time that Elijah has said these things to God. He's already given the speech once, and God brings him out here, and he makes him say it again. What are you doing here, Elijah? Again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. Stop going to church. They don't read their Bible. Fewer and fewer people are Christians. You feel that, right? It's like, so they've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. The Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel through the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. 
and anoint Jehu, who's kind of an interesting character. Jehu's known for his crazy driving patterns. And so literally they can recognize Jehu because he's a crazy driver. Some of you need to take on the nickname of Jehu. Anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shephat, from the town of Abel Mahalah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And then those who can escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. And let me tell you something else you don't know, Elijah. I have preserved 7,000 other people in Israel. This doesn't include Judah, which was the southern half of God's people. I've preserved 7,000 other people you don't even know about, you've never heard of them, but they have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So I read all of that just so you have some context of this conversation between Elijah and God and what happens next. But as I as I worked on this passage this weekend, as I wrestled with this, I just kept coming back to one verse. I just kept coming back to verse 15, and really not even all of the verse. I just kept coming back to this. The Lord told him, the Lord told Elijah, go back the same way you came. Back the same way you came. One sentence and, and two ideas. Go back the same way you came. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I kind of have a different way I would like for God to handle that. Like, I, I, God, I've zealously served you, and people stopped going to church, and they torn down your altars, and they've done all that, and, and Lord, I'm the only one. And I would kind of, my preference would be, I, I kind of would like God to say, oh, it's okay, I totally understand. I'll kill all the bad guys just for you, right? Let's move you over here to a little hut on the beach, and you can just sit there and, you know, or, or if you prefer a log cabin in the mountains, I'll just let you go do that. I, I am not going to let people treat you that way. But God's never said that to me. A little frustrating if I could just be transparent, right? 40 days, 40 nights. So after some time of rest, after some time of isolation, God knows that he's rested enough that now he can have a conversation with Elijah and Elijah can hear it. Because sometimes we're so tired, we're so exhausted in such an emotional state that we can't hear. Maybe things are clouded. And so after this time of rest, God has this conversation. What do you do in here? He didn't ask him once, he asked him twice. And so now God responds back and he says this. He says, go back the same way you came. It's one idea points. The first one is go back is, okay, don't run. Don't run. I know you want to quit, Elijah. I know it'd be easier to run. I know the, the little hut on the beach or the cabin in the mountains would be really nice, but, but don't run. Truth is, quitting or, or running momentarily eases our pain, but it derails our ultimate purpose. There are times we've got to find the strength. There's times we've got to find the boldness. There's times we've got to find the faith to come out of the cave. There's times we have to have the faith to face the roots of our pain. We have to deal with God is here in the first place. There are times I've got to make changes. There are times I have to have hard conversations. There are times that I have to put boundaries on a relationship. And coming out of the cave is hard. It requires that I be willing to face my Jezebel. It requires that I be willing to do some tough that I was running from in the first place. 
So how do I do that? How do I go back? How do I don't run, right? And kind of with this first how-to, I want to be very, very careful. I want to handle this with kid gloves. I want you to turn Facebook off for just a minute and just kind of tune in. I want you to listen with both ears because I don't, number one, I don't want you to miss hearing what I feel like this needs to say. But the first thing we got to do is we got to recognize what the real issue is. And to do that, you have to do some self-evaluation. At this point in the story, we've dealt with four characters. Obviously, we've dealt with God, but then we've dealt with Elijah. We've dealt with Ahab, the king of Israel, and we've dealt with his naughty wife, Jezebel. Okay, so there's four characters, God, Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel. Three of the four characters are victims. Three of the four characters are in a bad place. Three of the four characters are pouting. Three of the four characters are just not in a good place. Keep in mind, Jezebel is sad too. Jezebel is a victim too. Ahab, as you read the story, he is pouty too. And so I want to be careful here. But not all caves are real. Some of our caves are man-made. I know that because I've made some of my own caves. I know that because I've let my emotions lead me out into the wilderness for 40 days and create my own cave when really it wasn't real. So I want to be careful here. I don't want to minimize anyone's pain. Really what I want to do is legitimize the things that are real and need to be dealt with because we do have a very significant increase in depression and anxiety and medication use. Like it's up 300%. There are very real issues that they can put us in a dark place such as grief and, and loss and abandonment and abuse. But if your cave story begins with, oh my God, I saw on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? If your story begins with, oh my God, I heard that. Or that teacher did. Or that coach did. Sure, those, those are tough things. Those are bad days. There's tension in those moments. And again, I, I just want to be careful here. As a society, we take depression and worry and anxiety and thoughts of self-harm we take all of that very serious, as we should, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that it's you people. They go to different churches, right? You know what I'm saying? The, the, none of us would do that, right? I'm not saying it's you. But there are people that can throw around those terms just to get attention, not you. There are people that can use these. The, the, the problem is if your life is constantly full of caves, if your life is constantly full of drama, people will eventually tune you out. People will eventually turn a blind eye because you always are in a cave. So that when a real moment happens, when a real Jezebel pops up and says, I'm gonna kill you, no one takes you serious because you're just always wrapped up in a state of drama. So in my cave, I have to have some honest evaluation. Is this real? Is this real? Is this pain or is this my immaturity? Because some of my caves in my life were caused by my immaturity. I didn't get my way. I didn't get what I wanted. Jerry wasn't behaving the way I felt she should behave. My friends didn't, and you can fill in your own blanks. And so one of the reasons I want to be so careful with this is because there are some of us that have suffered great loss. You have a very real cave. You have a very real Jezebel, okay? Your loss, your pain, your depression is very real, real and it needs to be dealt with. And I don't want to say anything 
that the devil could use and, and make it an amplifier in your mind and like, oh, you just need to grow up or, oh, you ain't got nothing going on. You don't have no issues. All your issues are made up. Many of these are not. Your issues, your caves, they're very heavy. They're very real. And this idea, this thought, this moment right here, this is not for you. Just hit pause for just a second. But there are times that our caves can be man-made. There are you got to keep in mind, Jezebel was a victim too. And sometimes our immaturities and our insecurities and our selfishness are the cause of our greatest pain. I had to learn to ask myself, is this worth wasting emotional energy on? And my family got tired of me asking that question. I'll just be quite honest. So there are four of us in the Kellogg household. Only three of us live at the residence now because one is off living his best life, whatever that means, right? But for the past umpteen years, four very busy people in the Kellogg home, don't judge me, you can, I don't care, but our kitchen counter gets a little messy. It's a hot spot, right? It's a hot spot. And my daughter has a God-given ability to go to the pantry and get 13 things out and not put any of them back up, it's fine. She's, I love you, baby girl, you're good, okay? Right, Jerry can make a thing and then there's like spoons left and trash and all that. I do have to give Landon props, even though he doesn't live here to help me fight the battles, right? He does a pretty good job of putting his stuff away. But our kitchen counter can just get cluttered. None of you ever deal with anything like that, right? I get that, but it used to be a pet peeve for mine. And so I would clean it and within 24 hours later, bam! It's messy again. And I would go off like a Tasmanian bottle rocket. What a picture! No one cared. Do you know how I know they did not care? No one changed. I'm just slamming drawers. I'm mumbling under my breath. No one throws anything around. God, I'm the only one. I'm no better than my ancestors. Just take my life, you know? And is this thing worth the emotional energy that I was letting it rob from me? Everybody say, I love EK. Y'all did that a little bit in first service, so they wouldn't finish the sentence. They're like, I love ponies. I don't know, like they wouldn't go there. I don't know, they mad. Some drama people up in there. Let's cut that out on the podcast. Can we do that? Let's not let that on the podcast. If you've lost someone you love, that's If you constantly battle with this hopelessness and depression, that's real. Those caves are not man-made. That's real. Sometimes we need to go back and make sure that Jezebel is real. It's not my immaturity that's using it. It's not my emotion. So we got to start with some self-evaluation. Is this real? And then that steps into the next check mark. After some self-evaluation, i got to find hope. And that's exactly what God did for Elijah in this story. He gave him hope. Sometimes our caves make us change. Elijah, things are going to get better. I see you. I got you. Okay, let's go to work and let's fix this. Verse 15, then the Lord said, go back the same way you came. Go back the same way you came. And travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. Anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha to replace you as my prophet. 
He put a new king in Aram. Aram was not a Jewish state. It was a neighboring state, okay? And you read the next few chapters, they will be Israel's biggest adversary for the next two or three chapters. There's gonna be a big battle that's coming up, okay? And then he said, go make Jehu the new king of Israel. That's good because the current king of Israel is Ahab and Jezebel, right? His non-Jewish, evil, wicked, naughty wife. And so God's saying, listen, I'm going to change that too. I've got somebody you don't know yet that I'm going to make them the king of Israel. So God's saying, listen, we are going to make some changes. You can hear in Elijah's conversation with the Lord emotions I often experience. I don't, again, I don't know if you experience this, but I often experience this. Sometimes it just feels like evil always how many conference championships has OU even won? You know what I'm saying? Can you go there with me? No, too soon? Okay, it's fine. Right, like you're doing the right thing. And Elijah said this. He said, God, I have zealously served the Lord. I'm the only one. I'm here praying. I'm here serving you. I'm here. I'm the only one doing the right thing. They don't. They cheat. They're mean to people. They don't even put their shopping cart back in the shopping cart place in the Walmart parking lot. And I do. And I get the crappy parking spots. I'm fine. Sometimes it just feels like evil always prospers. Here I am doing the right thing, getting a world tour on the struggle bus. Yay me, right? And in this moment, God is giving Elijah hope. Hey, I know it feels like Ahab and Jezebel are successful and everybody's following them. God is still in control. It's going to get better. We're going to make some changes. We're going to turn some things around. Sometimes our caves force us to make some changes in our lives. Sometimes rock bottom makes me get better. So God gave Elijah hope. And sometimes that hope comes in the form of help. We need to get help. Elijah's hope came in the form of people. It's really hard to come out of a cave. We need someone to help us see our way out. Sometimes we need people to think for us when our emotions have clouded our thinking. Sometimes we need a voice of reason when our minds are unreasonable. We are not created to do life alone. Go back to Genesis. God had created Adam. He created all these animals. God had it all. I mean, Adam had it all. And God looked down and he saw that Adam was alone and he said, it's not good. We were created to be in relationship. And what we need are God-breathed and God-anointed relationships. That's exactly what God does here. Elijah, you need some God-breathed and some God-anointed relationships in your life. This is more than buddies. Buddies are important. Friends are really important. But sometimes we need something a little bit more. We need somebody who is willing to help you do some heavy lifting. Sometimes we need somebody that's been through some heavy lifting and they survived it and they can help you come out of your cave. This is people who are willing to work through and walk through the tough stuff with you. And I'm really glad you're here today because we're getting ready to start small groups. And normally in the fall, we would have 40 plus small groups for people to connect in. 
just with COVID and everybody just kind of we don't have that many small groups, and that's okay. We believe God always provides what we need when we need it. And today, we're kind of launching small groups. It's even like five weeks late because the COVID spike. We're going to start this back in the middle of August, and here we are today, the middle of October. Some of our small groups are for relationship exploration. It's finding those buddies. It's finding those friends. People to enjoy life with. People to just talk about how things are going. But some of our small groups are designed to do some heavy lifting. One of the groups I'm, I'm really most excited about, something we've needed for several years now, is a grief recovery small group. I'm excited about it. You're talking about a room full of people that have been in, or maybe even still are, in a cave. We, we have some Bible study small groups. I mean, when I mean Bible study, I mean with homework. You know what I'm saying? It's the heavy lifting where you've come to a place where you're like, you know what? I'm tired of cave. I'm tired of going from cave to cave. I'm tired of being in, I've been in this cave long enough and I'm ready to do some heavy lifting. Hey, listen, fellowship circles are great. Prayer requests are awesome. There's time and space and place for all of those people that can text you and encourage you when you're down. Man, we all need that. But sometimes, Sometimes we need some people in our life who are wise enough, mature enough, that can go layers deep and walk you out of the cave. And Pastor Matt's going to talk more about our small groups here in just a moment. I'm really glad you asked. Elijah, go back. Can't run. You got to go face your Jezebel. And then he says this, go back the same way you came. That's interesting. It's actually pretty specific. Honestly, that's, that's the hard part. There's times I don't mind going back. I just want to take the county road. You know, There's times I, don't, I want to go back. I just don't want to take as long to get here. So let's get on the super highway and let's speed a little bit. But God is very specific. I want you to go back. You can't run the same way you came, which means don't be afraid. I, I don't like pain. 47, I have more of it these days, right? I just, we don't, we don't like pain. And pain invokes fear in us, right? But the truth is there is no workaround for our pain. Everyone has, everyone will have their own cave. It's what you do with it that Several weeks ago, I recommended a book to you called Out of the Cave by Pastor Chris Hodges, Pastor Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And if you get it and just read one chapter, read chapter 13. It's worth the whole price of the book. It's called Stepping into a New Assignment. And he tells the story of a Jewish psychologist named Viktor Frankl. And Viktor lived in and around the World War II era. He lived in Europe, Vienna, where he practiced psychology. And the Germans came in and they took everything he had. His first wife was pregnant. The Germans made her abort the baby. He lost his wife. He lost his mother. He lost his father. He lost all of his siblings in German concentration camps. Matter of fact, he just barely survived. 
It was in a German concentration camp, deprived of all of his freedom, deprived of all of the pleasures. Frankel became convinced that the secret of life was to find life's meaning. And after the war, he set dead out on a mission, specifically to help Holocaust survivors like himself who had lost everything, process their loss, their grief, their depression, their fear, their PTSD, all of that. And he developed three kind of tenets, if you will, three things, three principles about pain, healing, and recovery. You can write these down. You take a picture of them up on the screen, whatever. They're a little bit longer. They're more than a three- or four-lettered sentence. But I, I want to share these with you. The first tenet he discovered is that everyone needs to do some type of meaningful work. Do something with your life that matters. And we believe that as a church. Half our vision of who we are is a church. We want people to know God. We want people to live in relationship with Jesus. Discover that same life-changing power that we have. We want more people to come into the kingdom. That's the mission. Go seek and save that which is lost. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want to do more than get saved. We want them to come to a place where the Christian life is a joy. We want them to get rid of their past and their issues and their hurts and their hangups. But we also want people to discover their purpose. We're going to talk about that today in step two of Growth Track. I hope you'll come. Many of you have been hanging around here for a while. Come to step two today. But we also together collectively want to make a difference. That's just who we are as a church. It's half of our vision that everyone needs to do something with their life that matters. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. You are not a mistake. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Thank goodness, because there are some years of high school that I really need to have erased. We could do like a data delete or something, right? But we're created anew in Christ Jesus, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you did, so that we can do the good things that God planned for us before you were ever born, meaning God created you, he birthed you for a purpose. And we need to live our life with something that matters. You were made to make a difference. Frankel also discovered everyone needs a community of friends who love them unconditionally. The older I get, the more I'm starting to discover the power of unconditional love. Matter of fact, that's the power of the That's the power behind John 3.16 that God so loved. A person cannot be healthy alone. You just got to have God-ordained, God-given, God-breathed relationship with Elijah. Elijah, go get Elisha. Paul got Timothy. Jesus got Peter, James, and John. Bert got Ernie. Batman got Robin. You know what I'm saying? You just cannot be healthy alone. Then he discovered this, that everyone needs to take whatever suffering they've experienced and find something positive about it. Find something positive. And that is easier said than done. But keep in mind, this is coming from a man who had lost everything and everyone that he loved. Franco used these three tenets to guide his patients through their depression, through their worry, through their anxiety, through their loss, through their grief. Matter of fact, interesting fun fact. Frankel never lost a patient. 
This is the question we must all ask. Will I allow my cage to be Jesus? Or can I, will I, live for something bigger? Something meaningful that sustains us through our grief and our depression and our anxiety and our pain. Matter of fact, it was, it was in the despair of a concentration camp that Frankel discovered the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. Depression comes. Hopelessness comes when our lives have no meaning. That's in the Bible. Proverbs 29, 18, but there, where there is no vision, people perish. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's interesting with careful study of this passage. God never addressed his concerns. I've zealously served you. I'm the only one. No one cares. All of Israel's wicked. God didn't address any of that. He just gave him a new assignment. My friends, you'll never be able to understand the why. Why did you lose your son? Why did your son die? Why did that person abuse you? Why did that person take from you something that was not theirs to take? Why did this have to happen to me? Why did life have to go this way? Why did my dad have to leave? Why did my mom have to leave? If God's word says we can find purpose in our life, and it's not fair, but pain is a part of life. So how can I take this cage? How can I take this pain and find purpose in the midst of my pain? Poor Jerry, a lot of times on Saturday, she's she's the dress rehearsal. Like I try some of my stuff out on her. Never try the jokes out because she's like, don't tell that. I don't get that. You know, I don't do the jokes. Kind of say this. We were driving in yesterday for our time here for the 12 hours of prayer. And I was just talking about this and talking about how I just want to make sure I say that part about some caves are man-made because I don't want somebody to hear that wrong and, and, and think their issue's not legitimate. And then as we were, we were driving, I can take you right to where I was on the road. It just kind of came out of my mouth. I'm driving, but I had to stop and take notes. I'm like, oh, that's good. I need to write that down. You know, I'm like, put your hands on the wheel. Sorry. If pain can serve a purpose, it helps the process. Maybe. Just maybe like Frank. You can help. here in first that while he's here you let him hold you it may not be instant maybe intimate maybe just enough 
and get you to come to the mouth of the cave. Nobody moving. Just be still. Just be still. Kids, just be still. I believe in this moment the Holy Spirit can say more with one gentle whisper in your spirit in an hour's worth of time. Won't you ask? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Is it stop making caves? Stop wasting so much of your energy on things that you just don't want. Is it find that person? He's not going to be your buddy. He don't need You need somebody to help you walk out of the cave. You need somebody to help you do some heavy lifting. Maybe some of you have just suppressed loss, grief. The Holy Spirit today so gently wants to take your hand. Take one step towards the mouth. Don't fear. You've got to find the strength. You've got to find the will. Faith. Lord, make our hearts well. Healing is hard. We got to do the work. Lord, make our hearts well. Every head bowed, every eye still closed for just one more moment. Don't, don't move around. But if you're here today and you're not in right relationship with God, then healing would almost be impossible. We know that as time heals all wounds, but we know people who were hurt years ago and they're still hurt. Healing comes through the, the relationship and the healing power of God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And there may be some of you today watching online, you may be right here that you know you're not in right relationship with God. And he's either A, trying to call you home because it's been a long time, or B, you never met him. You've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I want to give you that moment right here while his spirit is and if that's you at your seat, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. I'm not asking you to talk to anybody. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer where we're going to completely surrender our lives. There's no magic formula. The gospel is plain, pure, and simple that all of us have made mistakes. And those mistakes separate us from God. Today, if we will take that step of faith, it will bring unity where there was once separation. If that's you today. I just want you right there at your seat. Just pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? Just say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Right there at your chair, just say, Dear Heavenly Father. I need you. Come to you. Because I'm broken. I've made a lot of mistakes. And I don't want that life anymore. Jesus, I need you to change me. I may not understand all of this, but I'm taking a step of faith. 
by surrendering my whole life to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's moving around. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to take real quick, just pray for you. Slip up your hand real high. Come on, get it high so I can see it. Okay, see that hand? I see that hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? Here to the living God all across this room, there are hands and hearts. Lord, they feel you in this moment. They sense you. This is not an emotional decision, God. This is a step of faith. Lord, I pray for those people that just pray the biggest prayer of their life, the biggest prayer of eternity. Lord, I pray you surround them with people. Lord, I pray you fill them with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray you just help them to come to an understanding of what it means to be saved by Jesus, to be forgiven by Jesus. Father, help us as a church reach one more, reach one more. Love, I, I love being a part of a church. It helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. In Jesus' beautiful, matchless name we pray. He'll spring, dig deep, give God the biggest praise you got in your belly this morning. Amen. Come on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.